Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. I'm Adrian Weckler and you're listening to The Big Tech Show. What happens when you have to battle social media companies for access to a loved one's online information when they pass away? We all want to think of our data as being private and secure, but what if the processes involved for next of kin appear obstructive and difficult to navigate? Well, that's what my guest in a few minutes has had to deal with for the last year. But first, I'm joined by producer Tabitha Monaghan. And Tabitha, we're finally in the end run of the Tech-Tember, Tech-Tober period where everyone releases their new gadgets. Uh, Were you tempted by anything? Techtember, is that a thing or have you just made that up? Techtember is very much a thing and now it's Techtober as well. So Techtember typically uh, kicks off with Apple releasing its iPhone 14s, which we have covered on this podcast. It then moves on to uh, to other gadgets uh, in the last two or three weeks. We've seen uh, new products, everyone from Samsung to uh, Microsoft to Google. Um, it's it's very much a thing, Techtember and te- Techtober. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I haven't been so much looking at that, but I've been looking at the Prime Day at the moment. There was early Mm. release early in the week. But it's one of those things I look at this and I go, am I actually getting a deal? Because, you know, the Black Friday, Cyber Monday, there's always a bit of suspicion around whether or not you're getting a deal. Did you spot any? Oh, yeah. Well, the thing about Amazon Prime Day is really the Amazon gadgets themselves. So uh, the, the things to look for really are the Echo speakers. And if you are on... Amazon at the moment, you'll see that the basic Amazon Echo Dot speakers are now from like 17 quid, 20 euro uh, for the third generation, 20 pounds, which is 23 euro for the fourth generation. They're the little roundy ones. They're both absolutely excellent. Um, You want to get the touchscreen ones. They cost from about 35 euro, generally quite a good deal. That is pretty good. I'm looking for um, the Ring doorbell. That's you get them on Amazon as well, don't you? Oh, I bought one. I just ah! I just snagged one. My first one. Yeah. Um, you get the wired ones for thirty five pounds, I think. And the one that I bought, which is the wireless one, it's battery life for a year or two years. You stick it on your door. It hooks up to your app, so you can see who's uh, who's outside the door. Mostly for deliveries, etc. It's sixty pounds or sixty five pounds. I think I paid for it, and that's down from about eighty five pounds. Now that's yeah, pretty good. Decent deals. Decent deal. And by the way. Just on the Amazon Prime, people get very snotty about Amazon <laughs> deals and everything. And and I understand big Goliath, big company. Yeah. The reality is cost of living crunch. This yeah. might be the only time that you can afford to get a smart speaker. Anyway, that's a different podcast. Back to Techtember. Um, there has been obviously loads of releases, but what has happened in the last week? What are the latest ones? 
Well, the latest one has been from Google. So Google has a line of phones and hardware in general called its Pixel line. And so it's, it has released the Pixel 5, Pixel 6, and now we're onto the Pixel 7 and Pixel 7 Pro phones. Now, I have, I've had both of those phones in advance of the launch date, which was yesterday or late, late this week. And I'm actually kind of impressed. I'm oh. actually pretty impressed. How popular um, are Pixel phones in general? I mean, it wouldn't be something that I would gravitate towards or I don't no. think any of my friends would have. Like, how popular are they? Because they don't, because Vodafone and 3, generally speaking, don't sell them. You have ah. to buy them for the full price from Google's online store. They're somewhat popular. They're, they're sort of the, the latter day OnePlus phones. Okay. Um, the big thing about these ones is that they're actually a bargain for oh. what you're getting. So there's two phones, the Pixel 7, 650 euro and the Pixel 7 Pro for 899 euro. Now, just that, the Pixel 7 Pro, 899 euro. Oh, that's a lot of money. That compared to what what you're getting uh, from Apple or from Samsung or anything else, yeah. that is way less than uh, than what you're getting from the from the rival brands. So, but both models, battery life excellent, cameras excellent, screens excellent, engines very high end. They have one wow feature. So last year's Pixels had a wow feature, and that was a thing called a race. You could Go into any photo, you just draw a little line around someone and it would like Photoshop them immediately out of the picture. Slightly creepy, Whoa. but also kind of impressive. This year's wow feature is called Photo Unblur. And I tested this and it's any photo you've taken at any point. You just put it onto your Pixel 7. You can scan a photo in if you want put on your Pixel 7. And then you uh, go into the editing, tap Unblur, and it will unblur a blurry face. Oh. So it sharpens photos so if you're a bit um, you're a bit crap at taking photos and you you always have a blurry, blurry photo that this will save you yeah it will it will and it, and it works fairly well it works fairly well um and this is because uh, google's absolutely packs an awful lot of software stuff into its phones uh more so than the hardware the hardware is absolutely up to spec but the uh it's the software where that where it really shines there was also a pixel watch as well are they just kind of copying apple now Sort of. Uh, and the Pixel Watch is less of a hard recommend than the Pixel phones. It's a very nice looking phone. It's very elegant. It sort of hugs your wrist. It's not like the blocky wrist computers that a lot of uh, smartwatches are. It has all the health sensors as well. But there's two things that compromise it. One, it's very expensive. It's 379 euro, which is 80 euro more than the equivalent Apple Watch. And Yikes. Apple Watch is usually at the top of the pri price yeah. change. Um, and the second thing is um, battery life is pretty modest. It's, you only get a day out of it. And for an Android smartwatch, that's the bottom of the pile. And um, lastly, there's some confusion over what it's supposed to be. Google owns Fitbit and Google is pushing yeah, yeah, you yeah. to synchronize this with Fitbit's app, uh, which in one level makes sense, but on another level, well, why wouldn't I just buy uh, Fitbit? It's it's a good watch, but not a great watch. Okay. Uh, if I can. If I so can really you're looking, if you could get a Fitbit, that's okay. I would say, you know, the Fitbit Sense 2 for 299 euro might make more sense. It's not okay. as good looking though as the Pixel Watch. The Pixel Watch is a very, very elegant looking uh, smart, uh, smart watch. Anyway, that's what we have for Techtember and Techtober and all of the new uh, launches and sales. Now I want to talk about something which is going to affect all of us in time. And that is what happens when you or a loved one pass away, specifically what happens to your online information 
and your social media accounts. And my guest today is Donna Ahern, whose twin sister passed away last year, and she has been battling the big social media companies ever since. Donna, can I start by asking uh, what happened to your twin sister, Susan? My twin sister, Susan, uh, passed away quite suddenly after a very short illness. Mm. And that was last year. It was 2000 and um, yeah, 2021. So it was last year. Yeah. Now, Susan had been quite active on social media and she had quite a few online accounts, a mixture of social and work stuff, fair to say. Yeah, she was very um, active on um, Instagram because she's a makeup artist. Mm. So aside from that, for just, you know, staying in contact with friends and so on, she was quite active as well on Facebook and she did have a business account as well, also on LinkedIn. Mm. And those accounts online, to your eyes, when she passed away, they still seem to be active for things like birthdays, right? Exactly. Um, Susan passed away two days before her birthday. And so on the day of her birthday, when I was, of course, in shock and and grieving, I kept on getting messages, you know, even on my own Facebook to alert me to the fact that, you know, people were saying happy birthday to her. And um, of course, a lot of people didn't know because it was so sudden. And um, yeah, so that was um, that was very, very hard. But um, so far as her um, Instagram goes, um, <clears throat> that that is still exactly, you know, um, as it was when she was updating it on a constant basis. So what did you want to see happen with those online accounts like Instagram ultimately? With Instagram, I have discussed that at great lengths with family and friends and um, because it shows her legacy so far as all of her amazing makeup artistry and so on. Um, I don't want to do anything with that. And um, I do know that those close to us find comfort in visiting her Instagram uh, account and looking at her amazing work and looking at um, different events that she would have attended and worked at. Um, so far as her Facebook account, that's a lot more personal. Um, so on that particular day, her birthday, it was extremely hard for me to, you know, um, see the reminders. Um, of course, um, a lot of people didn't know. And then, you know, once um, it would have been someone close to us would have, you know, put something, you know, on her account, a wrote on her wall, um, you know, to advise people, you know, as to what had happened. Um, I just noticed that a lot of people were posting on her wall. Now, some people were nice enough to remove those posts because I wasn't comfortable with them. Um, you know, photos of her on nights out and and I just kind of didn't think that it was appropriate. Now, I do understand everyone, you know, that's close to a loved one, you know, so far as friends and people I wouldn't have known, they were grieving in their own way and they just wanted to to do something, I guess. But yeah, I found that very difficult um, so far as I couldn't control it. And I, you know, had no access to her Facebook account just to even take off the option to like post on someone's wall, you know, mm. so. 
How initially did you try to deal with that? What did you try to set out to do with Facebook or how did you go looking for a system to deal with it? Um, I would have um, basically followed the the legacy option on Facebook. Um, it wasn't easy to find. It took me a while to, to find it. And this wouldn't have been immediately because, of course, we had, you know, a lot of uh, arrangements to, to do at the at the time. But after a while, um, I did um, contact them through that option and that um, led me to, um, I guess, just um, a page where it took them a while at that time to to revert back to me. And um, I just found it. Um, I, I, I just kind of felt that it was quite cold and um, I would have expected a more kind of compassionate response. And um, I think it's a, a situation whereby I, you know, I am, of course, her next of kin, but because um, she hadn't written a will yet, um, it, it just made made it very, very difficult for me and needed proof. And we, I wouldn't have even had a death cert at that point. You know, so, yeah, it was very difficult. And so you began trying to look for ways to approach the big social media companies and the tech companies. Um, and how initially did you get on? Did you, I'm getting the impression that you kind of ran into a wall, a bit of a wall. Yeah, I did. I hit a wall quite quickly. Um, so far as, um, let's say, her Gmail account, um, it, like I would have contacted them um, and I would have, you know, requested that I would, you know, that I could have access to her Gmail account because, again, I had to deal with all of her affairs, everything from all of her personal banking to her employer's details to um, even, you know, um, trying to see if she had written her will or her intentions, everything like that, trying to get in touch with her landlord, because, of course, this is not information I would have had, you know, to hand. And I wouldn't expect anyone to have all of those details, um, you know, for me, if I passed away suddenly, um, you know, in the in the same respect. And when you contacted Google and Gmail, you got a very unexpected response in terms of what you were required to produce, didn't you? I did. I was very surprised um, to receive um, an automated email um, from from Gmail, well, Google on Gmail to say that I needed um, a, an, an attorney and a U.S. attorney's letter to, you know, proceed with with everything that was to come next. That must have seemed bizarre to you for a, a request for a U.S. lawyer's uh, document. Absolutely. And at first I just kind of thought because it was an automated response that they they would have meant that I needed to get an Irish solicitor or something like that. And um, no, after further investigation and looking into it more, it was a U.S. attorney's letter that I needed to obtain. You reached out to us and we started to talk about this. Um, it's a very interesting uh, topic um, for a, an awful lot of people. It's going to happen to most of us. Um, and what you were going through is probably uh, what a lot of people will go through 
in Google's case, what we found out was something that I hadn't realized, and that is that they say that any Gmail addresses that may have been set up in the UK at any time now revert to US data law after Brexit because Britain left, left the EU. Um, I take it Susan for a period was working in the UK, was she? She was. She was working in the UK for So she's for probably many, many one years. of tens of thousands of Irish people who may have set up accounts when they were working there because that would have been a period when social media uh, was taking off in this country. And because Britain has left the UK or the, the, the EU, it now reverts to, to US law. And right now, we don't have much more clarity as to what we can do about that. I should say that, and we have talked about this, I did reach out to Google and they pointed out a couple of things. They say that they have a very high barrier to allowing access to Gmail email accounts, even from a next of kin. And they say that's for privacy and uh, security reasons. Even that being the case, um, it still must be very, must have been a very hard thing for you to hear uh, in the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was just very, very surprising. And um, I, I reapplied recently again to see if I could, um, to see if things have changed. And I was met with the with the same notification. And that would have been Tuesday, so we're going back a few days now. And I haven't received any follow-up since, which I think is, is quite, you know, disappointing and it's um it's extremely upsetting let me talk for uh, uh, a minute again about meta and about facebook and about instagram when you reached out to them and tried to um, start dealing with that particular company and their social media accounts that that susan would have had what did you experience there um Basically, I was given four options and um, because of, uh, you know, from my previous experience, I thought that this would take a couple of days and I did realize, you know, due to US hours and so on that, um, you know, would, you know, take, a, you know, a few hours or at mm -hmm. least a few days before I'd receive a response. And so I selected out of the, the four options to, um, you know, delete her account or mm. whichever way they phrased it on, on, on so the options. So your options would have been delete. I think there would have been a memorialize. Exactly. Uh, there might have been one or two other options there as well. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so I um, selected delete the account and I attached um, her death certificate, which was requested of me. And I put in her email address, my own Gmail address as well. Mm. And within minutes, um, I I checked my Gmail account and um, there was a letter there um, to say her account has been deleted. Now, I didn't think it was going to be instantaneous. My intention there was 
eventually, you know, maybe I want to delete her account or... You wanted to start a process. I wanted to, yeah, start a process. But I didn't think that it was going to happen that quickly, which upset me. And I, I think we spoke afterwards and um, you could see that I was distressed because I wanted to reinstate her account to give me the opportunity to download her photographs. And I thought that they would prompt me to do things like that or give me the option to. So th I mean, that's a, a really key point when you chose the delete option. Yeah. Normally, when you do something like that with Meta, with Facebook or any of the big social media accounts, it gives you several get out clauses before and it, you Absolutely, know, it, it will prompt yeah. you to say, are you sure? Are you really sure this will mean that you know, all the content will delete it? Did you experience any of that? None. It was that was it full stop. And I um, I went back again and I, I chose, you know, the the option because, again, I was I was quite stunned by how how quickly and how um, how there was a lack of compassion. I was dealing with a bot or just as some automated response. I just didn't know what was going on. So I went back and I chose Memorial. Um, and Do you tried to reverse. I, I tried to okay. reverse out of it and I was met with the same response. But the response, um, the only difference was um, it said you've already requested for this to be deleted. So I have deleted this account already, which just kind of like that. just like that, which kind of gave me the impression that somebody must have sent this email. Um, so it was almost like a conversation was going to ensue, but it didn't. That's where it stopped. We reached out to uh, Facebook and Meta uh, on this question. which was a few things we wanted to know. First of all, whether it is normal for uh, an account when the deletion option is requested for that to happen instantaneously. And then secondly, whether when that option is activated, if the next of kin has a change of heart or if there's something that they realize that they should have retained, whether there's any chance of saving that data or that content, even if it's within an immediate period of time. Now, we don't have answers to those questions yet. We hope to get them soon. And, and I think we hope to also revisit this um, in a, a future podcast. Um, Donna, in terms of your experience in dealing with all of this, if there was something that you would like to see different from Google, from Meta, from other social media platforms in how they deal with people who are going through what you went through, what would you say to them? Definitely, um, you need a human touch and um, for them to just express more compassion and to understand that this isn't a, I suppose when it comes to Facebook, I know we have that option there where we can deactivate our accounts and then we can reverse that within minutes mm. that an option like that is in place for people to give them time to, you know, I suppose process, you know, that there might be a possibility where you'll never see this person's account again. And to appreciate the fact, even though like, you know, I, I'm like her identical twin and of course, um, you know, I like she's like massively important to me goes without saying, but I have to appreciate the fact that friends and family 
might want to visit that page as well. And um, it's not something you think about, you know, at the time um, until her account is gone. It's, um, yeah, I was devastated by, by how quickly that happened. And, and it was, again, an, an unnecessary upset. Um, yeah, the human touch needs to be there without a shadow of a doubt. And that was Donna O'Hearn speaking to me a few days ago. We followed up with Facebook and Google on these issues. Google has since contacted Donna to talk about what her options are in what she can and can't search for from Susan's account. Unfortunately, after a week of back and forth with Facebook, that company has not yet been able to offer any further clarification on whether Donna should have seen any further last step warnings or advice before it completely deleted her sister's account. And more importantly, Facebook also hasn't clarified whether any of it is reversible. Both companies did offer some advice to current account holders in preparation of their own passing. Google says that people should set up a legacy contact on its inactive account manager, which is located at myaccount.google.com forward slash inactive. This allows some control over certain data such as contacts or Gmail or Google Drive for documents. Otherwise, the company says, you're looking at special legal requests and you'll almost never get a login name and password for security as well as privacy reasons. Facebook also has a preparatory option for current account holders to set up legacy contacts to control a memorialized account. This doesn't include switching ownership of the account or give an ex-of-kin the power to alter photos or posts or messages. But it will mean that the memorialized account won't appear in public spaces, such as in suggestions for people you may know or ads or birthday reminders on Facebook or Explore on Instagram. With that, I'd like to thank producer Tabitha Monaghan and engineer Gavin Hennessy for this week's episode. From me, Adrian Weckler, you've been listening to The Big Tech Show. We'll talk to you next week. 